For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that ye may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And he that died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. Yes, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet nigh henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. All things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And we trust the Lord to bless his word to our hearts. And as you see, our title is Who I Am and What I, uh, what I Was. And you know, to truly understand what the Lord has done in us and what the Lord has done for us, we do need to, as it were, look back and recall what we were before our conversion. Paul spoke of those who will not inherit the kingdom of God, and he gave a list of different people that won't inherit the kingdom of God. And he was speaking to believers as well. And in 1 Corinthians 6 and 11, he says, And such were some of you, but you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. And such were some of you. See, Paul was telling them to not forget where you've come from. And Paul wasn't saying, and one of the words he listed was whoremongers. Paul wasn't saying you were all whoremongers. Paul wasn't saying you were all thieves. Paul wasn't saying you were all really bad people. Paul was saying, as we'll see in a moment, you were dead in your sins. You were dead in your sins. But then he says you are now wise, sanctified, justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. And when you think of it, it's a wonderful thing that has happened in our lives. I remember uh, Joni Reed was preparing to speak and she wanted to interview some people and uh, she was going to talk about miracles. And she went around a few people saying if they'd ever witnessed a miracle. Uh, I spoke to her about a man in hospital uh, told he was going to die and God touched him and he was alive. But the, the one that sort of caught my interest was when she went to the late Davy Hobson and she said, Davy, have you ever seen a miracle? And he says, me. <laughs> and it's, when you think of what he's saying, it's true because a miracle has taken place inside us and it is a miracle. You see, we have not today decided to become religious. We have not decided, right, I'm going to make a new start. I'm going to hope that all will be well and I'll be able to keep it up. You see, Jesus, today, yesterday, and tomorrow, he has made us a brand new person. A brand new person. Now, the hour we, we turn from our sins to Jesus, our Savior, we may not have felt physically different, but remember, 
Salvation is not a matter of feelings. It's a matter of facts. You know, we're attracted by our senses. We're motivated sometimes by our senses. We have five senses, touch, sight, smell, hearing, and taste. And they are the senses which attract us to things. We see things which appeal to us. When we touch something that's nice and soft and warm, we like it. We like sweet-smelling things. We hear beautiful sounds and they appeal to us. And even the Bible says, taste and see. But you know, the change in us is not through our physical senses. No flashing lights or Damascus Road experience. It is through faith. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And see, through faith, the facts today are, and, and sometimes we struggle to accept this, the facts are, since we have become a Christian, that we are different. We are different. We don't think, well, hopefully we don't, we don't think like we used to. We have begun to live differently. We have a goal in our life to achieve, to, to live the life that is pleasing to God. So we have begun to live God's way. When you give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we should do that because it tells us in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Therefore if any man be in Christ. He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold all things are become new. And note that tells us he is. It doesn't tell us he will be. And I believe that we are a work in progress. I don't really accept that the minute you ask Jesus into your life, everything exactly changes, every thought you had, every action you make. It's, you're a work in progress, but that work means that you're a new creature and you're completing that work. Christ through his spirit is completing that work in you. And it's important because if you look at that, it says, if any man be in Christ. This was what commentators say is Paul's most characteristic expression of what it means to be a Christian. You are in Christ. You are living in Christ. You are walking in Christ. You are breathing in Christ. You are in Christ. A Christian cannot be a Christian out of Christ. And you are a new creature. You are a new creature. His death and his resurrection for you and your identification with him by faith makes existence as a new creature possible. That's so wonderful, isn't it? That because we, we identify with him by faith, it makes existence as a new creature possible. Because if we try to become a new creature, the old man is still in there if we're not in Christ. And we can't change. But it's Christ that changes us. Romans 6 and 4. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So as Christ died and rose again, we, as it were, bury or put off the old man, and we arise and we walk in newness of life. We arise and we walk in newness of life. Ephesians 4.24, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And this is important because we're told here that you put on the new man. This is not something that automatically happens. That, As I've said, you don't just change your character the, the second you ask the Lord Jesus Christ for forgiveness in your life. 
you have to put on. You have an effort. You have a role to play. You are the one that is challenging the carnal man. And you, you're the one which changes your character. You're the one I had to, whenever I became a Christian, I began to challenge my character. Instead of losing the temper and shouting and yelling, I had to hold on and speak softly. And, and okay, I had the odd slip, but we're a work in progress. But the thing was, we, we were conscious, consciously changing through Christ's power in our lives. We need Christ in us. We need to be in Christ so that we can put on the, the new man, that we can make an effort. You know, as I've said many times, there's no magic wand here. We have a role to play in this. Christ play, played, played his role when he died on the cross, granting us access into the Holy of Holies, granting us to be filled with his Holy Spirit. But we have a responsibility. We have a role to play, and we need to put on that new man you know, other people can challenge you and say, you should be doing this, you should be doing We know exactly what we're going through. We know exactly how we're reacting. And it's whenever we put on that new man, we are challenging it because of the grace and mercy of God in our lives. You see, this new man was created. This new man is produced out of confusion, out of emptiness by God's almighty power. Again, it's by God's almighty power. Christ is working the change in you. The loss of God's image upon man was both the sinful, sinfulness and misery of our fallen state. But the glory and happiness of this new creature is a resemblance we now bear to God. Our task, Paul told them many times, our task is to reflect the Lord Jesus Christ. To be the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when people look at us, they can see Christ in us. Not when they look at us and they wonder what on earth uh, this person's at, what on earth this person's doing. But how we react with our friends, how we react with our family, how we react with the Lord has changed. And people should see that change. Just listen, there's a wonderful testimony on social media. I was just listening to it last night of this girl. And she just turned off God completely, very similar to uh, a lady I counseled once. Her dad was a pastor in Texas, and he was an animal in the house. But in church, everybody thought he was wonderful. But you see, that he wasn't a new man. It was a facade. It was a mask. It was a drama that he played out every Sunday as he stood in the pulpit. But that meant nothing in God's eyes because God's seen him in his house. His family's seen him in his house. His daughter and his two sons want nothing to do with God, not because of God, because of the hypocrisy of their father. But he wasn't the new man. But we need to be that new man. We need to challenge that old man and chase that old man away. And we do that when we look at the state we were in. Paul talking to the Ephesian church, he said, you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. You know, all those who are in their sins are dead in their sins. And the truth is, when Paul said such were some of you, what Paul was saying was at one time, you were dead in your sins. You were doing some of the things that these people are doing as, as they thought about judgment and as they thought about criticizing others. At one time, we all need to remember we were dead in our sins. And sin is the death of the soul because in them we are separated from Almighty God. 
Fallen man, what he needs today is not a guide or a teacher. He is dead in sin. He needs someone to resurrect his spirit. We, are dead, we were dead in sin, which means we were slaves to sin. Jesus himself said in John 8, 34, Truly, truly, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is a servant of sin. Is a servant of sin. This is what Paul is talking about. We are dead in sins. We have no control. We are dead in our sins. We are the servants of sins. And Jesus is saying it here too. And you know, in the Old Testament, when you read the prophets, they say, thus saith the Lord. But here Jesus tell, uses his authority, his divinity. He's showing these people, he's saying, I say unto you, whoever commits a sin is a servant of sin, is a slave of sin. Paul again to the Roman church, Romans 6 and 16. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Of obedience unto righteousness. Church, this is where we have this new man, this difference in us that we are now obedience unto righteousness and not sin unto death. Why do people turn from God? Why do people not want God? Well, I believe Satan darkens men's understanding. Satan tries to, to uh, keep God's light out of their lives. And he does this by blinding their minds to their need of salvation. People today in the world, they uh, have been given an inability, an inability to see the glory of Christ. They don't want to know anything about God. And yet even with this Turkey, uh, the earthquake in Turkey and Syria, they're quite prepared to blame God. Why did God let it happen? Do you want to know anything about God? But when something goes wrong, God's convenient enough for them to blame for everything. They have an inability to see the glory of Christ. But we can thank God this morning because in you and in me this morning, the new has come. When through Jesus we became a new creature, we've had, we have as a new creature, many blessings in our lives. And this morning, if you're feeling a bit of a failure, if you're feeling a bit of a letdown, well then reassure yourselves that we are no longer dead to sin. We are no longer slaves to sin. We are no longer servants. We are no longer blinded. We are a new creature in Christ Jesus this morning. We are a new creature in Christ Jesus this morning. What does that mean? Well, firstly, it means the most important of all, we are forgiven. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, God is faithful to his word, wherein he has promised forgiveness to a penitent heart. And the wonderful thing that, as I read the New Testament, correct me if I'm wrong, when someone comes before the Lord, repenting of their sins, the Lord doesn't say back to them, well, why did you do it in the first place? Why did you behave like that? The Lord doesn't say to him, do you really think you deserve forgiveness? Jesus forgives. No matter how bad a state you were in, or no matter how good you think you were, God's forgiveness to a penitent, truly penitent heart is immediate. Is immediate. I've said it many times, but I think it's the best illustration we can give. John Newton on a slave ship, racked off the coast of Ireland, thinking he's going to die. And, and later on in life, he wrote that beautiful hymn, Amazing Grace. The R I first believed. He knew the minute he asked Jesus for forgiveness, he received forgiveness. 
We need a penitent heart. And because we are a new creature, new creature in Christ, we are forgiven. And not only are we forgiven, when Jesus forgives, he forgets. When Jesus forgives, he forgets. Romans 3, 24. <clears throat> Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We, we, we quoted that this morning. Being justified freely by his grace. We are justified this morning in Christ. That means there's no more charges against us. You know, people in the world, and I always use myself as you know, if you met people that knew me when I was younger, oh, I remember the night Alan did this or Alan did. See, with Jesus, it's wiped clean. It's gone. We are justified and we can stand in the presence of God this morning and give him the glory. We are justified. That means we are delivered. We are declared righteousness in God's sight. I'm no Greek scholar, but apparently redemption, the, the Greek word is apolotrosis. And it means a release secured by the payment of a ransom, deliverance, or setting free. Redemption in secular Greek describes a conqueror releasing prisoners, a master releasing a slave, and release from an alien yoke. In the New Testament, it designates deliverance where through Christ from evil and the penalty of sin. Church, one and honor this morning, the price paid to purchase our liberation was the precious blood of the spotless Lamb of God. The ultimate price, the only uh, thing that could have covered our sins, the only thing that could have paid the debt we owe to God was the precious blood of the spotless Lamb of God who freely gave himself Freely give himself, despite our faults, despite our failings, even uh, uh, despite even being forgiven and making a mistake. Christ knew what we were like when he saved us. Christ knows what we are like now. Christ knows some of us need a bit more of a push. Some of us need a bit more strength. He gives us that strength. Why? When we work with him as this new creature. When we challenge, when we recognize within ourselves I, 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 I'm, I'm being a bad light here. I, I'm not doing that, which is right. That's God speaking to you. And that's God working in you and helping you become this new creature in him. We don't deserve the least of his mercies. It's true. But in Jesus this morning, we are justified by his grace. That great old Scottish proverb, he's better to the worst of us than the best of us deserve. So we are justified this morning. You know, people may think what they want about you this morning, but you can stand proud with your head held high and say, I am justified in Christ Jesus, my Lord. I am forgiven. My sins have been set free. And we are cleansed from all sin. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. You know, that precious blood has washed away all sin, church. Once and for all. That sacrifice was once and for all. It does not have to be continually. We said last week, if you remember, we don't need a continual sacrifice every so often. 
When he died on the cross, when he said it is finished, he wasn't talking about his life. He was talking about the grip that sin had over us. He was talking about death. He was talking about our separation from God. He was talking about that veil was now torn in two. And we can stand today in the very holy of holies. A thing which many Old Testament patriarchs, Old Testament prophets couldn't do. We stand in the very presence of God and worship and praise him this morning. Why? Because he has made us a new creature. We are now clothed with the righteousness of Christ. And if that doesn't make you happy, you're dead. <laughs> Amen. You are clothed this morning. Don't let the world tell you. Don't let the old man tell you how bad you are, how much of a failure you are. Just look him in the face and say, I am redeemed, set free, forgiven, cleansed, justified in Christ Jesus, my Lord. His blood has washed away all my sin once and for all. You know, we should never, and I'm guilty of this sometimes, we should never look back and think, you know, I did this or I did that and really feel bad about it. What we should sing is his blood has availed for me. His blood has availed for me. All our sins, past, present, and sadly future, he has washed away. He has washed the stain of sin in your soul. You know, you, you get <coughs> maybe a, a, a garment. Uh, I had a favorite T-shirt I used to wear all the time. And I was eating curry and curry went all down it. And the stain and jeans, fantastic. Uh, it's, it's like an insult saying to a woman she's a housewife <laughs> today, isn't it? But she's a fantastic housewife. No matter how hard she tried to clean it, couldn't get the stain out. It was discarded. But you know something? It was none of my sins stayed on me. They were all wiped clean, set free. Jesus didn't discard me because there were some of the sins I committed were so bad that his blood couldn't wash away the stain. He washed away the stain of sin from us completely this morning, and we thank him for that. <clears throat> Let one, every one of us knows this verse, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Oh, that we would have this continual realization of the freedom we have in Christ, of this new creature that we are. I was thinking about the psalmist. In Psalm 51 and 3, he said, For I acknowledge my transgression. My sin is ever before me. You know, that is a real true penitent heart. Someone who really regretted what he did. You know, sometimes uh, as children... You regret being caught doing what you did. But here is David regretting actually what he did. And, and, and that downness in his spirit, that downness in his soul, it must have been hard for him to even try and approach God knowing, you know, thinking to himself, my sin is ever before me. But it just shows you how God changed him because we go down to Psalm 103 verse 12. And he says, as far as he east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Oh, the freedom in David's spirit when he got the realization that he is no longer a sinner in the presence of God. God wipes away our sins. <clears throat> he wipes them away completely. There's no stain of sin as we stand in the presence of God this morning. There's no stain we are forgiven, we are justified, and we are cleansed by the precious blood of the Lamb of God. And listen to this, we are in God's kingdom. Jesus himself said, 
answered and said unto them, Truly, truly, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And here we have the ultimate authority. I say unto you, I say unto you, except a man be born again. I was listening to a bishop, for I'll not say from which church, because it's not a reflection of the church, it's a reflection of him. And he was telling people they don't need to be born again. The arrogance of them. <clears throat> that, you know, we're all so good and God loves us because of our goodness. He loves us because of our sins, folks. And that's the truth and that's the reality. We cannot see the kingdom of God if we're not in Christ. And we see the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. I say unto you. This is almighty God telling us. And if you're not saved this morning, if you've never surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, then listen to the authority of the speaker who is almighty God. And he's saying, I say unto you. This is not me telling you. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. You must be born again or you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And here again, the word of God confirming from God fact true and to be heard. Birth is the beginning of life. <clears throat> and we who are born again are new creatures. We are casting off, we are burying the old man. And as a new man, we are in Christ's kingdom. It's wonderful this morning. And you can encourage yourself, I am no longer a slave to sin. I will make mistakes. We know that. But that's not an excuse for making the mistakes. That shows that you are a new creature because you know you've made a mistake. You acknowledge in yourself you've made a mistake. I no longer serve the God of this world. That's a reality that not many people outside of Christ don't realize. You either serve Christ or you serve the devil. And you are serving the devil if you are outside of Christ. I am no longer dead in my sins, but I am a joint heir to the promises of God. Isn't that wonderful? A joint heir to the promises of God. Isn't it wonderful? Wouldn't, wouldn't it be wonderful if your parents were rich and left you a lot of money, wouldn't it? It'd be great. <laughs> but mine weren't. But they left me a lot of love, and that's more important. But what is Christ leaving us? You know, somebody here, uh, do you ever watch that program, The Air Hunters? It's this uh, company that they, banks, I think, I don't know who employs them, but I think it's banks, and they find uh, relatives from people who have passed away. And I remember watching it one day, and this man from Scotland and some of his relatives from England had died, and they left him an absolute fortune. This guy was living in a wee, uh, a wee flat somewhere, and he ended up, he owned some big estate in the south of England, and he was so happy and so rejoicing, and fair play to him. They found this relative. So that's what he inherited from uh, his relatives. But what are we? We are heirs of the promises of God. We are heirs of the... Look at the promises of God. They apply to you. The promises of God that he will be with you, that he will bless you, that he will keep you, that he will strengthen you. And one day, if you fall asleep in him, he will resurrect you from the dead. That's the promises of God. That's what you have inherited as this new creature in God. We are heirs of the promises of God. We are in his kingdom. And his kingdom is not meat and drink. His kingdom is not earthly pleasures. His kingdom is not bodily desires. His kingdom is righteousness, it's peace, and it's joy. And we inherit that as children of God. So we are saved by grace. We know that. It's wonderful to know that. 
not works of the law, not our own righteousness, not our own charitableness, not our own uh, sacrifices. We have this morning a gift from God, a gift which honestly none of us deserve or will ever earn. But Jesus calls us therefore to repent and believe in him. I was listening to a song recently, and I think I put it better. It says, there are a million at the foot of the cross, and there's always room for one more. And I thank God the day we gave our hearts to the Lord, there was room for two more when Gene and I surrendered our lives to the Lord. His sacrifice was on our behalf. And people today, they've got to repent and believe in him. And for me, and again, it's only my opinion, it's what's wrong in the world today, particularly the Christian world. People are not being told you need to repent. You need to turn from your sins. You need to put on this new creature. It's great that you want to come to church. It's great that you want to be amongst God's people. You need to repent to be saved and to be sanctified, to be set free and to be justified. Realize that you want to enter his kingdom and live within his protective care. You have to turn to him. You know, salvation is sufficient for all. But it's only effective to those who respond to it in the right way. And it's only effective to those who respond to it in the right way. Mind, emotions, and will are all involved when a sinner receives the good news. Because the mind has got to be convinced. Their emotions have got to be stirred. But you know something? If their will is not moved, they are not converted. They are not converted. Mark 1 and 15 tells us the time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent you and believe the gospel. Speaking to the church in Rome, Paul said, If I confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and shall believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Thou shalt be saved. If you never surrender to the Lord, you need to surrender this morning to become that new creature in Christ. You were lost or are lost in a sea of sin. But you know something, uh, I'm sure you've heard me saying this before, salvation is the same as salvage. Jesus comes along and brings you out of that sea of sin, and it means that he has ownership over you. You belong to God this morning. He paid the price. He released you from your sins. He reclaimed us from the depths of sin, and we are now setting on our feet upon the solid rock of our salvation. So church this morning, who I am. I am a child of God. We can sing it. It's nice, that song. I am a child of God. But you know something? This morning, God wants us to believe it. I am a child of God. I was dead in my sins, but they are all gone. And I am alive. I am quickened by the Spirit of God. What a joy this morning to know that we are the children of God. The redeemed. Can I ask the, the, the praise team to come back? But come on, let's worship him this morning with the knowledge to know that God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son that when we believe in him, we will not perish but have everlasting life. Again, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible is Isaiah 53, and I like to personalize it. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him, and with his stripes I am healed. What a God we serve. Let's stand this morning, and let's worship the Lord in spirit.